Revelation 12. Revelation 12, and right around verse 10. And I'm going to read verse 10 to you. And as we navigate through where we left off last week, understanding that John is right in the middle of the tribulation period, and he's seeing a futuristic event. He's seeing the tribulation on earth. And on earth, while the tribulation and the wrath of God is being poured out in heaven, there's a conflict. As Satan has been going to heaven day and night, even from the beginning of time, accusing the brethren. And in the future, John sees that the accuser, the devil, the destroyer, the great serpent of old will be cast out. And all of heaven rejoices. And yet even while they're rejoicing that the victory in heaven is secure, there's a woe as Satan goes to planet Earth to wreak havoc on God's kids. And here we find ourselves as Christians, if you're like me, you're saved. Your sins have been forgiven. Your destiny has been secured. Your spirit's been sealed. Woo-hoo-hoo! But you also have some bad days, don't you? Raise your hand if you ever had a bad day. Anybody ever had a bad day? Yeah, okay. Raise your hand if you had a good day. Anybody had a good day? Okay, okay. Less people, less people. No, I'm just kidding. We've all had good days. We've all had bad days. We get it. And yet as Christians, there's something deeper going on beneath the surface. And I believe the Lord wants to equip this church in our body right now that we might know how to fight back, how to overcome the enemy of our souls when those good days are so far and few between and the bad days, the battle, man, the winter of the soul. It happens. And really, it's already, the work's already been done. It was so cool reading through Revelation 12 and the end of the chapter here and reaching out to Alex and the band, and, they just, and I didn't have any control over the songs they chose. And as I came to church here this morning, I was singing, I was like, this is crazy. This is, this is exactly, this is ex- this declaration of Jesus and who he is and what he's done. The, the blood of the lamb, because you're all fighting battles. The battle's been won, it's done, the victory is ours, woohoo! But, seems like my boots are still on the ground. Seems like I still got an enemy. How am I gonna win? I've already won. Take it to the bank. Victory is mine. Yet I feel the pressure. I feel the difficulty. And what we see here in Revelation chapter 12 and throughout the scriptures is what I would just simply call, and people have different interpretations of how this looks in your life, but I would just call it spiritual warfare. And in this spiritual warfare, this idea that there are principalities and powers and rulers in high places that ever live to make your life miserable, that ever live to remind you of the times where you weren't perfect, where you did blow it, where God has marked it forgiven. But do you have trouble forgetting everything you've done wrong? Anybody have trouble forgetting? I, I, I forget the good stuff. I forget the stuff I've done right, man. But it's the stuff I've done wrong haunts me. And, and there's a reason for that. Because the devil, he says, I'm gonna keep reminding you of that until the day you die. And yet the Bible declares a victory that is yours and mine. And I want this church and I want my friends to walk in victory. But you gotta understand and accept and not be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. As a matter of fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, this would be a great day to jot down verses if you're a note taker in your margin of your Bible or on the seat backs, there's paper you can write down. 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says that he doesn't want us to be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. That is that there's a war going on. And if you don't know the enemy, you won't know the battle. Life's tough. It's confusing. There is war. There is disease. There's famine. There's crime. Everywhere. There's good days too. I love 
coffee. I love naps. They actually don't go together. I don't know if you know that. I just, you know, I love sunshine. I love good storms. I love, you know, there's good days. But my heart aches for heaven because of the chaos down here, the spiritual warfare. First Peter 5, 8, you can put this up on the screen. It says, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, rocks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Man, this verse has guided me my whole Christian journey. There is an enemy. We're to resist him. But throughout this portion, 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter says, you know what? Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same opposition is being felt by the brethren. Whenever I'm going through stuff, do you ever feel like you're the only one? You ever feel like you're the only one that's depressed or oppressed or ignored or mis- mis- you just feel like isolated? Okay, Take this verse to the bank. When you're being attacked, when things are going down for you, I can guarantee you the closest people next to you are also feeling that same breath of the devil. It's, it's not just you. It's a spiritual attack. And when I realize I'm being spiritually attacked and I realize you're probably going through the similar thing I'm going through, I fight differently. And I realize we need to resist him steadfast in the faith. It changes everything. Otherwise, you're just going to have an Eeyore party and, you know, eat worms and die kind of deal. But when you realize, no, there's a battle going on. Ephesians chapter 6 gives us more insight. Verses 12 and 13, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's not your government. It's not your, your ex. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. I love this portion of Scripture because it tells us to armor up, helmet of salvation, shield of faith, Boots of peace, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, sword of the spirit. And then once we're all ready to go, it says, then I want you to stand. I kind of wish it said, now go kill everything that moves. You know, you know I just want to get after it. I wanna go, you wanna go, don't you want to go nuts kind of? Like, ah, let's go. And he's like, no, no, no. Here's what I want you to do, Christian. Armored up. You're protected. I want you to stand. Because when you take a stand in today's world that's falling for everything, it's a witness to who God is. Your kids are watching you. Take a stand. What do you got a shield for? Darts. Fiery darts coming at you. Stand. Get all this gear on. The world's watching you if you're a believer. And as you just stand against the opposition, that's the witness that God wants you to show to the rest of the world, that reflection of that faith here on earth. When we rejoice in what God has done. I want you to see this in real time. Look at verse 9. We're going to read to verse 12. It says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast out. 
And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Verse 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has came, da- has came down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Stop right there, eyes up here. Do you guys see what's going on here? There's this cosmic battle where heaven wins. Satan is cast out, that serpent of old, the dragon, the devil, the accuser, all those things. He has four words to describe who he is in verse nine. It's crazy. And he's cast out. And all of heaven rejoices. But then all of heaven is very honest also. It says, oh, but you who are on planet earth, sorry about your luck. Woe to you on planet earth and the sea because the devil's been cast down to you and he knows his time is limited. Isn't that diabolical? He knows he's a defeated foe. He's been declawed, defanged. And so on planet Earth, you know what he says? I know my time is limited, so I'm going to try and kill as many people as I can. I'm going to try and deceive as many people as I can. I'm going to try and take as many people as I can to the lake of fire with me forever. That's what he's doing right now. Yet the victory has already been won. You guys see the tension here, the battle of your everyday life. If you've been saved and sealed, once and for all saved, and you're sanctified, and yet the battle rages on. And what I believe the Lord wants us at South Beach Church as we navigate through this is to know how then to overcome the enemy in our day-to-day grind. When he accuses you, why would he accuse you? What's he accuse you of? What's he accuse me of? He accuses you and me of the things we've already done. The sins of our past. Anybody have any sins of the past? Anybody have any? Okay, raise your hand if sins of the past. Okay, you just committed a sin if you didn't raise your hand. Good job. And uh, Man, we got some sins in the past. And the Bible declares emphatically that Jesus Christ and his blood has gone into your past, okay? No amount of meditation or therapy or counseling or good deeds can actually go into your past. Christ says, I'm gonna go into the past and I will forgive you or I'll suffer for your past sins. And if you're like me, man, that's a boatload of sins. The Lord says, when the accuser comes to you, you plead the blood. You've been forgiven. Not just your past sins, but your present struggles. I'm actually working pretty hard to stay close to the Lord, but I still got my stuff. Raise your hand. You got stuff? Everybody got stuff? And, I'm still, and the Bible says that Jesus Christ is our advocate and our propitiation right now in our stuff. That is our substitute. When he sees you failing and falling, <clears throat> Jesus steps before the court. He says, he's one of ours. Interesting, okay, forgiven. And he continues to advocate for us and he continues to pray for us. He ever lives to make intercession. Check this out. Not only is the blood of Jesus proficient for your your past and your present, but the Bible said it's actually efficient for your sins you haven't yet thought up of. How many of you guys are pretty creative in your sinful life? You know, you come up with some weird stuff. This is next level. Can you imagine if the Lord said you're saved? You found Jesus, good job, good job. Now, be very careful, because if you ever sin again, you're done. That wouldn't be good news at all. That would be horrible news. Oh, man, I can't believe I'm forgiven. Now what? Don't blow it. Uh, I think I just did. You know, I think. And yet the sins of your future are taken care of. The Bible actually says in the book of Isaiah that God has chosen to forget your sins. He says, I forgot. He actually says it this way. I have forgiven your sins for my own self. In order for the Lord to love you, to unconditionally serve you, and have a place prepared for you, he says, I'm, I'm gonna forget your sins. Okay? You and I, we, we forget all kinds of stuff. You forget your grocery list. 
You forget what you ordered on Amazon.com and it shows up to your house. And we forget stuff, man. Yet we don't forget our sins. Jesus said, I'm going to on purpose take it from my memory bank so that I can lavishly love you. And my sin paid, my son paid for that sin. Now, the accuser of the brethren, the thing about sin, though, let's just be honest, okay? When you sin, when I sin, when we sin, it produces fruit in our life. The wages of sin is death. It just happens. There's no way around it. When I sin, it paralyzes me, okay? It causes your light, causes my light to shine less bright. It's just the way it is. And then when the accuser of the brethren comes to you and reminds you of your sin, it paralyzes you in who God has called you to be. And the man or the woman that God wants you to move forward, and when you hear that voice of the enemy reminding you of what you've done, showing you what you're struggling with now, threatening you with the future, if you don't know the power of the blood of the lamb, okay, you're not going to become the person God wants you to be. You're going to be stuck. And here's the crazy part, is you're going to actually have a form of spirituality in your stuckness. On those days where you think about yourself and your sin, and you muse and beat yourself up. Does it not feel spiritual from time to time to think about your failures and how bad you've been? It feels spiritual. It's actually not. It's false humility and pride. And when you're spun out in either ditch, we have these ditches on either side of our religious spirituality in these days where I know what I've done wrong and I'm over here stuck and I haven't applied the blood and I've not called upon the grace of God. And guess what? I'm good for nothing. Then there's other days. The banner days, where you've actually done well. Remember those days we actually have a good day? Listen, according to your categorization, we have our sin meters, don't we? We have the small sins, then the medium sins, and then the large sins. We know not to do the large sins anymore because when that happened, we went to jail. That was not cool, you know, and so stay away from those. And the medium sins, we're dodging. I don't want to do that either because it's just, man, man, you know. Then there's the, the, the small sins. We're just kind of like, hey, and, we, and, and, and yet we figure our list out and actually do what we think we can do. We find ourselves on this list, listen, full of spiritual pride, and we're also good for nothing. Here's the answer. The answer is, verse 11 it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. It's the blood of the lamb every single time. When you've done great, when things are awesome and you haven't done the things you didn't want to do and you were able to do the things you wanted to do, you know whose glory it goes to? The blood of the lamb. As a matter of fact, I love taking communion on Sunday. I take it three times a day, so I'm probably the most spiritual person here. Um, and, and, and it's really cool because for me, if, if I do really good on a Sunday, if I you know, hit it out of the park and, and all my jokes are great, and my, you know, and on, it's, just, it's really fun, you know, I take communion. The Lord says, it's not about you. It's not about, it's about the blood. It's, it's not about, and your spiritual pride. You see, the children of Israel were the most spiritually put together people in the world. You couldn't get more spiritually put together than the children of Israel when Jesus showed up. The Pharisees, man, were perfect they had the Bible strapped to their forehead, strapped to their wrist, written on the doorposts of their homes. They, were, they couldn't get more spiritual. And Jesus said to them, you search the scriptures daily, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which speak of me. They missed Jesus in their own spiritual pride. And so when I take communion after a good day, or when I go home and go to bed and read, I, Lord, not 
by might or by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. And then on those days over here where it's not so good, where you realize you came up short, where you didn't do the things you wanted to do and you did the things you shouldn't have done, you know what the good news is? You can plead the blood as well, or it's not about me. And when I teach sermons that don't go so well, I can take communion. Thank God it's not about me. And I think this is how the Lord wants us to walk every single day in a more profound way as we fight our battles. As the oppression of the world gets deeper and darker and as anxiety and fear and all kinds of accusation. As the enemy taunts you about your future, challenges you in your present, reminds you about your past, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna spaz out or are you gonna stay the course? Are you gonna throw in the towel or are you gonna call upon the blood? How did they overcome the enemy? By the blood of the lamb. I'm forgiven. You're forgiven. Did you know that this is the way to instantaneous harmony in your marriage? To forgive one another? To just, for, you're forgiven. I don't need to accuse you. You're forgiven. Are, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm, you're forgiven. Yeah, but I did this, I know. You know what Paul said? Paul said in Romans chapter six, and I want you to write this down and read it in your homework, Romans six and seven, it's pretty heady stuff, but, but Paul said in Romans chapter six, he said, you know what, we who are Christians are no longer bound to sin. The power of sin has been broken. You don't have to sin anymore because you're no longer alive to sin, but you've been crucified to sin and now are alive to Christ and you're not a slave to sin. But listen, you're a slave to righteousness. The best way to avoid accusation from the enemy is just to never sin again. Can I get an amen from somebody? That's what I do. I just stopped sinning. Five years ago, I just stopped. I just lied. Dang it. Now, now, don't. The Bible has said, you and I who are in Christ, our sins have been crucified. Past, present, future. You actually don't have to sin. You're alive in Christ now. Yet Paul goes on in chapter 7, as fantastic as chapter 6 is. He goes on in chapter 7, and he shows us his cards, and he says, you know what, though? There's things I want to do. I just I don't do them. I don't know why. And there's things that I don't want to do. I don't want to do that anymore. Ah, oh, wretched man am I. And, I, and I. and I do them. Then he concludes the argument. He says, who shall save this wretched man? Christ Jesus, my Lord. And here's the deal, though. If you know this, you can defend yourself. I wish I could say, oh, you're saved? Whew, man, good job. Life gets really easy now. No, no. Rejoice, O heaven. The accuser, the devil, the adversary has been cast out. Woe to you, inhabitants of the earth. For the devil will make war against you. Until when? Until you die. Do not be ignorant of his devices. How are you going to get out of the rut you're in right now? The blood of the lamb. Or you could fall into the temptation of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. I'm just going to work harder, be smarter, and do more. If it's to be, it's up to me. Or you can plead the blood. You can apply the blood. You can offer the blood. This is how we fight our battles. The Bible says in Romans 6 that we're dead to sin. The accuser of the brethren will remind you of your sin. 
And if you realize you're dead to sin, that Christ paid for it, it's already done, you can ignore those accusations and those blasphemous attempts to take you out. The word devil means adversary. It means accuser. That's what Satan does. He comes at you. Can you imagine if we went to Bateman's funeral home right after this, though, and asked to get a quick tour of the morgue? And they brought out some of those bodies in there, and we stood before those bodies and said, all right, let's accuse these guys of what they've done. And we began to remind them of what they did and show them the you know, Facebook posts and their high school yearbook. And you remember that, you know, we began to accuse them. And ah, you, know, you know what they would do? Nothing. They wouldn't squirm. They wouldn't blush. They wouldn't defend themselves. They wouldn't wig out because they're dead. Romans 6 says you're dead. Are you in Christ? Then you're dead to your sin. Christ paid for it. It's over. You don't have to stay down. You don't have to defend yourself anymore. You don't have to stay on the ropes. And you who are here right now and you're still struggling with sin and sin has wages of death in it and it will paralyze you and things do cost. But you who are here right now saying, I can't be a good husband. I've done this or... I can't be a good wife. I can't do this. Or, or I'm still addicted. I still, I still smoke cigarettes, right? I still have this thing, right? I, I, I'm stuck. Really? You're going to let that just keep you down? Or to the glory of God and for the good of others. You, like King David, can experience the grace and kindness of God. You, like the Apostle Paul, who said, Do you not know, in Romans 2, that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? This is how we fight our battles, guys. This is how we're going to get through. This is, what you're, this is what you need to know in your own life, your singleness, in your marriage, in your parenting. It's the blood of the lamb that overcomes the enemy. Years and years ago, I was doing one of those categorizational sin struggles where there's certain sins that are worse than others. And, and horizontally, sins have different consequences, do they not? They have different consequences. James chapter 2, verse 10, though, if you could put it up on the screen. James chapter 2, verse 10 says this. It says, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point is guilty of all. you imagine that? You kept the whole entire law, and then you just blew it one time, and you're just as guilty as everyone else. Did you know that's great news, by the way? It's great news because we tend to count our sins and, and, and wonder if this is bad or that. And you, own it. You're a sinner saved by grace. And the devil wants to haunt you and he wants to hurt you. And you, if you're a believer, can pull out the, the blood card. What, you, what you're saying to me, enemy, is true. But you didn't factor in this part of the equation. I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. Guys, this will keep you from becoming stuck, from becoming sour and bitter. The church of God is supposed to be a representation of heaven on earth. And it starts primarily at the foundational reality that you're forgiven and you can forgive others because of what Jesus has done. In the middle of the war, in the middle of the battle. He goes on to say, we studied this last week in verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I love, I'm just gonna say it. I love my testimony. Because when Jesus saved me, I deserved it not. I wasn't looking for him. I was running away from him. I wasn't helping the cause of Christ when I finally went in through the door, found Jesus. I was anti-Christ. 
I was the worst. And the Bible says that if God saved us when we were yet sinning, how much more so does he not want to then give us all of the blessings that are in Christ Jesus? You guys remember your testimony? Here's, the, here's what happens. You get saved, you go a few years, you forget your testimony, you start doing things for the Lord, and then you fall down, you make a big mistake. Oh, I'm the worst person in the world. Can't get up. I can't, I can't believe I did this. And we look at what you did, and we're like, we can't believe you did the other stuff too, bro, you know. <laughs> we're not actually surprised you did this, to be honest, you know. What's going to be your play? The word of my testimony. The Bible says, as you receive Christ, Colossians chapter 2, so walk in him. How did you receive him? By faith on your worst day when you had nothing to offer God except a mess. Lord, I got a big mess. That's all I got. He said, okay, I'll take that. You're saved. Oh, I promise I'll never fail you again. Eh, we'll see. Now, I like to talk out of both sides of my mouth because I do believe that the Lord does want us to progress in our fruit. He wants us to sin less. We will not become sinless, okay? But to sin less and less. And yet the enemy is so sly and so smooth and some of you have, have come so far. And yet you're stuck. You're, just, you're stuck because of something little, something small, or maybe something in the past. And Jesus looks, he says, I, I provided for that. Do you remember? Move forward. The heaven on earth, it's supposed to be seen here. Verse 11, three things overcome the enemy. And I want this to be so, I want this to be in your pocket this week. I want you to take this out all week long. How am I going to overcome the enemy? Oh, I just had that thought. Oh, ooh. I just did that thing again. Oh, ooh. what are you going to do? Blood of the lamb. Blood of the lamb. Again, again. Again, again. Will I need it again? You're going to need it again. And the enemy's going to accuse you of being hypocritical, being a baby, being a sinner. You know what you can do? You can agree with them and say, you know it. I need Jesus. You can have that fellowship with Jesus right then. Remember your testimony. And then it says, thirdly, that they did not love their lives unto the death. Verse 11, last phrase, they did not love their lives unto the death. You know, most of you who studied the Greek language know that with love, in our English language, there's one word for love. I love hot dogs, I love coffee and naps, and I love my wife, okay? All on different levels, though. Hopefully, you can discern that. It's the same word, love. In the Greek language, though, there are five or more words for love, okay, that all define a different type of love. The word here surprised me when I found out which word is used. It's the word agape, which is an unconditional, sacrificial, purpose-driven love. It's not just phileo, which is brotherly love, or eros, which is, you know, lover's love. There's all, there's all these different And Jesus says here in this text, he says, the ones who overcome, they're the ones, listen, who do not agape themselves to death. What? That is, they don't unconditionally, sacrificially, continually and purposely love themselves. And that's how they overcome. Instead, they have that agape love for others. This is a secret, and you're going to get stuck this week. You're stuck right now because of the things that you're consumed with. Don't love your life. To give yourself away. I want you to have this in your pocket this week. It's guaranteed to win. I also would say this. This week, you're guaranteed to be attacked. Look at verse 12. 
Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. He's already a defeated foe. He's already done. He's going to the lake of fire, but he's trying to take as many people with him. I was reading up on snakes over the weekend. You guys ever do that? Just read up on snakes over the weekend? Uh, usually not. And I was reading up on snakes. And did you know if you take a snake and cut its head off, like a, a viper or a rattlesnake and cut its head off, that its head stays alive for upwards of two hours? Okay, separated from its body. It doesn't know it's dead yet. They're cold-blooded animals, so it takes more time for their brains to die because of the oxygen level. They just sit there. A head, a bodiless snake. And there's recordings of all these people grabbing that thing to throw it away, and it bites them and kills them. And here are the devil to this day right now. He's been defanged. He's been declawed. He's done so. We know what's going to happen, but he's still trying to take people out. It's diabolical and satanic, man. This is what we're doing. I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm having so much fun. I can't wait for my nap for about 20 minutes, you know. (laughs) Right? I'm glad. I'm having fun. But there's some crazy stuff. The de-headed devil himself, man, the serpent of old. He has a short time. What's God going to do? Look at verse 13. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth... He persecuted the woman who gave birth to the child. This is the nation of Israel in the future who gave birth to Jesus. And he goes on a rampage, verse 14, but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she's nourished for a time and times and half time from the presence of the serpent. A few things for you um, prophecy students. A time is one year, times is two years, and a half time is a half a year. We know this from the book of Daniel, chapter 7 and chapter 9. So she is protected for a time, a times, and a half time, which is three and a half years, the tribulation period. And she's protected in the wilderness, and she's brought there by two wings of an eagle. And we don't know what two wings of an eagle mean. Some people look into this, and they say, it's America. <laughs> you know, and it's America helping Israel out. I don't know if that's the case. You know, And we do love Israel and support her as an as a American entity. Uh, but I tell you what, I, what I believe is happening here is the Lord says, you know what? Even in your persecution, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to nourish you. I have that word circled, nourish. For three and a half years, the people of God are attacked and persecuted by the Antichrist. We'll see more of this in chapter 13 and beyond. And they're protected somehow, some way. And let me just testify. As much attack as I have experienced over the last 20 years of being in the ministry, the Lord has protected me and nourished me. As much attack as I have gone through. And as much attack as you're going through now and as much attack as you'll go through in the future, the Lord will nourish you and protect you in it. When the flood rise, waters rise, okay, he will be there with you. He'll protect you. Literally, we don't know what this wilderness is, this place prepared for them. Most people attribute this to the, the place of Petra, which is about 60 miles south of Jerusalem. And there's this 60-mile stretch of rock canyons and caves that the Nabataeans had put together in the year 600 BC, and they lived in this area. And There's only one way in through a 12-foot wide rock entryway in these caves that are prepared. They estimate that if need be, you can put 2 million people inside these caves and live in this way. As a matter of fact, we've got a couple of pictures. Put these pictures up here just for fun so you guys can see. I'm not making this up. Here's the rock caves that go in here. This is in the country of Jordan, which is directly east of Jerusalem, 60 miles south of the Dead Sea. Go ahead and go to the next one. You can see all these caves and all these fortresses and the next one might actually ring a bell when you see this one. Here's Indiana Jones. 
apparently was checking it out before, making sure it was legit. Some of the Indiana Jones films were filmed there, actually. Take that down. Verse 15. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. We don't think this is a literal flood, but most likely armies of sorts. But the earth helped out the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. I just have, I want you to focus on that. That when the enemy comes at you and when the enemy persecutes God's kids, God will do whatever is necessary in order to open up a sanctuary for you. How are you going to overcome battles this week? Now, don't give up. What's going on? You tempted? Okay. So, so we all are. Have you failed? Are you failing right now? We all are. Are you being persecuted and accused? We all are. What do we do? The blood of the lamb. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. That's the only claim to fame. I'm forgiven. And Jesus said he's chosen to forget. And I can forget too. And I can move forward. And even in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the challenge, the waters of the earth open up and they're protected. Look at verse 17, final verse. We're going to take communion. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's not just the Jewish people and the nation of Israel in the end days, but the Messianic Jews and the Gentile believers, everybody who comes to find themselves following God. It's going to happen then. It's happening now. The accuser of the brethren. And let me just try and give you one more illustration as Alex and the band come up and lead us in a song. There's a medical term called hypochondria. And a hypochondriac is somebody who always feels sick, even though they're not. And they check themselves into the doctor and they say, hey, I got this thing. And, and you know, kind of like that one guy who went to the doctor and said, I'm sick. And they checked him out and hey, you're fine. Send him home. And he kept going back to the doctor. I'm sick. And he kept, you know, I, I, and eventually he died. At 98. <laughs> and on his tombstone, he had engraved, I told you I was sick. <laughs> I'm not trying to get out of the way here. And, and the reality is, we can find ourselves becoming spiritual hypochondriacs. And I want to set you free from that. That is, you, you, you are always constantly checking your own temperature spiritually. How am I doing? What am I, what, how am I doing? Have I, have I done enough today? Have I, have I done bad today? How am I doing right now in, in the things of God? And if you're not careful as you check your temperature, if you do these things, you'll find yourself in one ditch or the other, the ditch of failure and depression and accusation. I just can't do it. Or, God forbid, you find yourself in the other ditch of better than all these losers. Either way, you're good for nothing. And instead of being a hypochondriac, always checking and always wondering how you're doing, Plead the blood of Jesus. It's all about him. It's so simple. It's so profound. And as you call upon him for strength, and as you look to him, and you overcome him, and you remember your testimony, where's he saved you from? Are you further along than where you were found? I hope the answer is yes. Are you still battling? The obvious answer is yes. But you're not done yet. Your testimony is being worked out. Well, how can I get to the next page? How can I get to the next phase? Don't love your life to the death. Get over yourself. Quit taking your temperature. Quit looking at yourself. The more you look at yourself, the devil just laughs. 
Got him. Got him thinking about himself again. Got him doing that intro, self-inspection, witch hunt. And the Lord says, I'm right here. There is no way to heaven except through me. And so, if you have Jesus, you have what you need. And you can be set free and you can quiet the accuser of the brethren. And you can rejoice in the testimony of the Lamb of God in your life. And you can successfully deny yourself and move forward one day at a time. This is how we fight our battles. This is what He's done for us. Even if it looks like we're surrounded, we're surrounded by Him. This is why we take communion every day. Some people, they don't take communion every on Sunday. They think we should do it different. I, I understand that. And, and you should take communion with the Lord. Examining yourself and proclaiming His death until He returns. And you hold up that cup and you hold up that bread, which represent His body and His blood. And you proclaim, this is it. This is my ticket. This is why I can get up. This is why I can laugh at my past with the Lord because it's been covered This is why I can face tomorrow. If you can't face tomorrow right now, you just, you don't have enough in you. It's because you're hypochondria. You're sick and, we, and, we, and you know it. But that's not what the Lord's asked you to do. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimonies, and they did not love their lives unto the death. That's it. Put it in your pocket. Pull it out every day for the rest of your life. It's your only hope. It is your only hope. It's it. That's the battle. Heaven on earth, the church. We're to own this and to show this. And so would you, would you pray it in with me now, church? Let's pray it in. In Jesus' name, close your eyes. In Jesus' name, Lord, we ask you to make this our story. Make this our story, Lord, that we know this, that it's not about us. It's not about the great things we've done or the bad things we've been able to avoid. It's not about that, but it's about the blood of the Lamb. If you're here this morning and you, you want to become a Christian, you're not a Christian yet, and you want to give your life to Jesus and you realize you can't do it, you're well aware of your sins and you want to surrender to Jesus and be forgiven of your sins and have Him be your King, right now in Jesus' name, would you raise up your hand and say, yes, save my soul, Jesus. First time Christians, raise up your hand. Say, yes, Lord. I see hands going up. In Jesus' name, anybody join this one, two, three. In Jesus' name, give your life to Jesus. It's your only hope. Lord, bless these who raise their hand. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, the blood of the Lamb. Apply it to your heart. Apply it to your past. Apply it to your future. And if you're here this morning and you are a Christian and you're in the battle and heaven's rejoicing, but you're on earth and you're fighting. And you want to put this in your pocket and you want to know how to help your brothers and sisters this week and say, you know what you need? <laughs> you need to walk in that forgiveness. It's done. The blood of the lamb, it's already been applied. And if you need the Lord to make this yours and you need to walk in this and you need help and you're stuck, you're a Christian and you want to you be set free. 
You want to overcome the enemy, right? Would you raise up your hand in Jesus' name? Raise up your hand to Jesus. Lord, you see hands going up in Jesus' name. Would you set people free? Would you make it real? In Jesus' name, those who battle addiction, those who battle their past, those who battle failure, Satan haunts them every single day, reminds them of what they've done wrong. May they by faith know, Lord, that they are forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. Put your hand up if you need extra faith and you need that extra help today. This is how we do our battle, guys. This is how we fight. You can put your hands down. We're going to take communion now. And as we do this, we celebrate Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. Proclaim his soon return. Lord, would you be honored? If you're here and you're spiritual uppity and you've been doing great, plead the blood. Go to your knees today. Plead the blood in your religiosity. Repent. And if you've fallen so low and you're so embarrassed and you're so upset with yourself and you're so frustrated, plead the blood. It's not about you. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, what we do now, we do in Jesus' name.